1: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
0: Hey, this is the Junkyard Dog, Jerome Williams, and you're listening to the Jake Brown
1: Show. You know what time it is. Don't pal. <coughs> Welcome to the Jake Brown Show. It's the NBA Finals Preview 2017 Cavs Warriors part three, Part 3. Of their showdown. CBS Radio's Play.It Network. You find us on Apple Podcasts. You can write a review there and rate us five stars. And Spotify as well. Follow me at Jake Brown Radio and follow the show at Jake Brown Show. Listen, guys, this is probably going to be the greatest NBA finals we'll ever see. That is the hope. That is what we're all praying for. Will we get it? We'll see. LeBron, seventh straight NBA finals. The Warriors looking to make up for blowing a 3-1 to lead last year, the year before the Warriors won, the year after the Cavs won. Now who wins part three? It's like two out of three. This is like a soccer match. It's like a title showdown for the ages. Coming up on the program later on, Cleveland Cavaliers sideline reporter for Fox Sports Ohio, Ohio friend of the program, Allie Clifton will join us. Oh, yeah, baby. And you can follow her at FSO Alley Oop on Twitter. She'll join us from the Bay, the West Coast. We'll talk with her. And tomorrow joining us on the show is former Nick. You know him as the junkyard dog. Jerome Williams will be on the program to talk finals and talk about him being in the big three. The guy is 44, 44 years old and about to play in the Big Three tournament. Those old legs still got something, apparently, because he's he's got a nice, decent team that he'll be playing with. The power with Katino Mobley, Corey Maggette, Deshaun Stevenson, Moochie Norris, and the coach is Clyde Drexler. So that's not a bad squad for the Big Three. So we'll talk with Allie Clifton later on the show. We'll talk Tiger Woods, who the news comes out and you're you feel you still feel like he's an idiot and he should have gotten an Uber or a Lyft or whatever, but the fact he wasn't drinking is a, makes it a little bit better. It's still terrible, but it makes you think, all right, at least he wasn't dumb enough to drink. He, he had meds and he mixed them up and he, he still should have not been driving, but it is a little bit of a better look than if he was wasted. He did blow on the breathalyzer .00, so he was not drinking anything. Um, We'll talk Tiger. We'll talk about Bryce Harper. Is the Major League Baseball right for giving him four games and giving six to Strickland? Is it good for baseball? We'll answer those questions later on as well. And I'll have a sports update. Forget a buck date. It's a Jake date. And it's not a first date on the show, which we've done before. It is an actual sports update where we'll talk as well about the Stanley Cup Finals. I binge watch Catfish Over the weekend and look at that Monday happens and a catfish is on the ice and apparently all charts have been dropped for what seemed like it was a redneck from Nashville is what they're saying who threw that catfish on the ice in Pittsburgh how he got it in the building Lord only knows let's talk NBA finals the regular season came along and both teams split their matchup Christmas the Cavs won in Cleveland 109-108 January in Golden State, the Warriors won 126-91. LeBron, Jordan, it's an endless debate. It's what everyone's talking about. It's who's better. Can you compare errors? Six for six for Jordan. LeBron has three. LeBron makes a statement if he could pull this off. My prediction, I'll give it a little bit. But LeBron tells everyone, you know what? I am the GOAT if he can beat this Warriors team. This, in my opinion, is the best team he has ever faced in his NBA career. I don't care that the Warriors went 73-9 and last season. It doesn't matter to me because they didn't have Kevin Durant on that roster. And that's the matchup the world is watching. LeBron versus KD. Small forward versus small forward, that's it. KD and LeBron, we get to watch that for... What I hope will be seven games. This is also the best team, arguably, that LeBron James has played with. Kyrie Irving is at playing at another level as the best scoring point guard in the NBA. J.R. Smith has been a good role player. Kevin Love has emerged as a pivotal part of this Cavaliers playoff run that ended as a twelve and one record. Warriors coming at twelve and zero, and then you add the bench pieces and the shooting that LeBron has. Channing Fry, a three point shooter off the bench. Iman Schumper, who was once known as a pretty locked down defender on the bench. Kyle Korver, a three point specialist off the bench. A veteran journeyman, and Richard Jefferson, who yes is still in the league, coming off the bench. And then you just toss in Darren Williams like he's chopped liver. The guy was a former All-Star and was everyone was talking about, is he as good as Chris Ball? Is he the best point guard in the game? And now he's looked at as like the 10th man on the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, that shows you how good this team is, that they picked Darren Williams off the scrap heap and no one talks about him. I mean, clearly his game has regressed 110%. But Kyrie, J.R., LeBron, Love, Thompson, Fry, Shumper, Corver, Darren Williams, Richard, Jefferson, that's a really good one to ten. Listen, we we know what LeBron had in Miami. We know he had Chris Bosch and Dwayne Wade. But was the rest of that roster that good? You had an older Ray Allen, who was all right. James Jones. Um Joel Anthony. These guys aren't in the same stratosphere as some of LeBron's teammates now. I don't look at those guys he had in Miami as as stacked as what he has now. I just think that the depth is just isn't the same. Rashard Lewis, Chris Anderson, Norris Cole, Mike Miller, Michael Beasley. Guys like Juwan Howard played with LeBron then towards the end of his career. Greg Odin, who can stay on the court. Dexter Pittman. I mean, these guys weren't that good. These were decent role players, but outside of the big three, as we called it, not studs. I mean, look at it. Richard was past his prime, essentially. When he was there. Udonis Haslam was just a more veteran kind of six-man kind of player. Mario Chalmers was solid. He's no Kyrie Irving. Even Bosch, honestly, is overrated, in my opinion. Dwayne Wade was great. Now, Dwayne Wade was a terrific teammate, a leader, and he was clutch. But those guys I'm mentioning, a Joel Anthony, Chris Birdman, Anderson, all solid role players. But I just don't think they're as good as a Kyle Korver is a legit NBA player and a guy who you could lean on to knock down a three, to knock down free throws. Kyrie Irving, in my opinion, is the best point guard, scoring wise, in the NBA. J.R. Smith, as much as we hate on him, he's a good shooter and he's a decent, a good player, and he's probably he's better than Joel Anthony. I mean, an almost retired Shane Battier and almost retired Gianna Howard. James Jones. And James Jones still there. <laughs> Always following LeBron around. But this is the year. If if LeBron has a cast to do it, it's now. It's right now. Right now. But then you go to the other side and you think, how is he going to do it? How is he gonna how is Kyrie gonna contain Steph Curry? How is JR going to contain Klay Thompson? Kevin Durant. Oh, some guy named Kevin Durant you throw in the mix. Draymond Green and Kevin Love is going to be another battle to watch where nuts will be kicked most likely. And where the Cavs have the advantage of center, Tristan Thompson versus Zaza. And even Zaza, an aggressive player who is not afraid to hurt people, as we saw with Kawhi Leonard. Not to mention off the bench, you have Andre Iguodal, the 2015 NBA Finals MVP. You have Sean Livingston, a veteran who is a really good defensive player off the bench, and a guy who will hit a mid-range jumper for you. Don't forget you have David West. I mean, everyone forgets David West is even on the Warriors. You have JaVale McGee, who obviously the comments were made of he's too dumb for the Warriors and whatever. And then Ian Clark and Patrick McCaw. I mean, you can argue overall that the Cavs bench might be better, but I, I just think there's just too much star power on Golden State. And a big reason. Why Cleveland's going to have trouble. Is defense. Cleveland's defense. Is just not the same. Cleveland's defense is not the same defense. As Golden State's. Cleveland is a team that can shoot with a lot of guys. They can hit hit it from downtown. But they can't play defense like the Warriors can. They just can't. I, I don't trust JR Smith in a big defensive spot. I don't trust a Channing Fry off the bench in a big defensive spot. I don't trust Kevin Love. So y- you look at the advantages here. You look at the comparisons. Point guard, you give to Cleveland, uh, you give to Golden State because it's Steph Curry. Shooting guard, you give to Golden State, it's Clay Thompson. Small forward, You give the slight edge to LeBron, but Kevin Durant's a good defensive player. He's got a long wingspan, and he can make clutch shots, but you give the edge to the king because he's the best player in the league. Power forward. Defensively, you give the edge to Draymond Green. Offensively, you give it to Kevin Love, but that's a toss-up. And center, you give to Cleveland. So by my math, the edge in the starters goes to Golden State. Bench. I said it's pretty close. I think Igudala overall is a better def- better player off the bench on both teams. I think he's the best player off the bench on both teams because of his ability to play defense. And we're talking about a former NBA All Star in Andre Igudala. Offensively, shooting wise, Cleveland has the edge. So that the bench for me is really a toss up. But defensively, it's it's not even a question that you give the edge to Golden State we go to coaching and for, for now we're going to say Mike Brown remember Mike Brown aka Mr. Potato Head as they call him made the finals 10 years ago with none other than LeBron James in the Cleveland Cavaliers where they were swept 4-0 by the Spurs he's been there before he's been to the playoffs he's been to the finals remember he coached the Lakers in between there he coached the Cavs when they were bad after that once LeBron left And now he's leading, manning the sideline for now, unless Steve Kerr does come back. And if Steve Kerr comes back, I mean, that gives Golden State a monster edge. And even still, I think Mike Brown gets an edge over Teron Liu because Teron Liu's been there once last year, and Mike Brown's been there much more than that. He's been to the finals once, but he's been to the playoffs a multitude of times. And if Steve Steve Kerr comes back, the quiet leader of Steve Kerr, the calm, quiet, collected leader, and Steve Kerr that's a toss-up too if it's Mike Brown I say still say Mike Brown if Steve Kerr I definitely say Steve Kerr you give the edge coaching wise to Golden State starters Golden State coaching Golden State bench a toss-up it's pretty clear who I'm picking and here a lot of people want to say it could be quick I do think just because of how talented LeBron's team in this year and how much drive he has in him and how much rest he got coming into this finals in over a week of rest, as it feels like years we're waiting for this to begin, I do think all those reasons calculate to this being a deep series. And we talk about this maybe being a seven-game series. I do think it will go seven games because both teams have that rest coming in here where everyone's healthy and they're good to go. The questions earlier rose of, would KD be healthy? He is now. Everyone's rested. Curry's healthy. Kevin's healthy. LeBron's healthy. All these guys are in full force, lockdown mode, ready to play some basketball and ready to play what could be one of the great series we'll ever see. If you don't remember the first time around in 2015, the Warriors won in six games. The Cavs were up 2-1. Two, two to one. The Warriors come back and win three in a row. The Warriors' average margin of victory was 12.5 points. The Cavs' two wins only came by two and five. The Warriors' four wins, 8, 21, 13, and eight. So those games weren't tight. 2016 comes around. Back to back rematches with the Heat Spurs in 2013 and 2014, and then 2015, 2016 with Cavs Warriors. The Warriors were up 2-0. Two, two oh, I mean, while the Cavs won last year, both these series, the Warriors didn't have problems until the Draymond Green suspension. Everything went downhill. The Warriors won 2-0. Cavs won game three. Warriors won game four. It was 3-1. to one. Then Draymond Green suspension happens. Cleveland wins game five. Then the Cavs win 6-7. But all this came after the Warriors had the largest combined margin of victory in the NBA Finals history in games one and two at a total of 48 points. So, hey, is that series different if Draymond Green did not get suspended? You better believe it. I'm not going to say that's an excuse. But you better believe it. And guess what? It was the first time since 1978 that a road team won the Game 7 in the NBA Finals. And it was Cleveland's first championship for the Cavs and their first Cleveland title since the Browns won in 1964. The Warriors' win of the regular season this year came by 35 points. The Cavs win by one. I'm trying to give you as many stats possible here to show you that the Cavs were down 3-1 last season and came back without Kevin Durant on the Warriors. How are they going to top that? The Warriors come in as the only team in the history of the NBA to win three sweeps to go to the final. No team has done that. No dominant team in NBA history has done that. This team is clicking on all cylinders. The Golden State Warriors are better than they were last year despite the 73-9 and record. My 2017 NBA Finals prediction is that the Golden State Warriors and Cleveland Cavaliers will go deep. It will be a hard-fought seven-game series. There will be close games. There might be a buzzer beater or two. There might be an overtime game or two. And we're going to look at it as the great finals that we'll ever see. We won't see as many blowouts as we did the prior two years. But when it's all said and done, when the series comes to an end, after what will be Sunday, June 18th in Game 7 at Oracle Arena Golden State at 8 p.m., around 11 to 11.30 p.m. on Sunday, June 18th, before you're getting ready for work, On Monday the 19th, the Golden State Warriors will have won the NBA Finals in seven games in a tightly contested contest, and Kevin Durant will hold up the NBA Finals MVP trophy, not only for his offensive ability and his clutch shots that will be seen throughout the series, but because of his defense on LeBron James. And guess who won two years ago the Finals MVP? Andre Iguodala, the same guy that covered LeBron James. The same guy that was giving up over 35 points a game to LeBron in that series. We're going to see the same result, except this one will go seven. But I think the same position, Kevin Durant wins it. And Kevin Durant becomes a genius for going to Golden State because he gets his trophy and he gets his Finals MVP trophy. Let's just pray to the NBA gods that these games are closer than something the last 2 years. Last year's series was an all-time great, but there were a lot of blowouts. There were plenty of blowouts and let's hope we don't see that again, but I think the Warriors win this one in 7, Kevin Durant wins MVP. I think it's going to be it's going to be tight. We're going to see some classics and I just can't deny a team that comes in off three sweeps. They're coming in flying off the shelves. And listen, Curry doesn't need to do it all on his own anymore. He's got Durant there to help him out when times are needed. He's got Zaza to make a big defensive play. He's got Draymond Green to get into the head of the other teams. He's got Klay Thompson to hit three balls when they need him. He's got Iguodala to come off the bench and cover LeBron and cover other guys and score when they need him. He's got the veteran leadership in Sean Livingston and David West. Warriors in seven. And the Golden State Warriors, it's their ninth trip to the finals. Third straight. And it's, and they won it 47-56, 75 with Rick Barry, 2015. And now... They will win again in 2017. If I'm wrong and if LeBron wins, he's the GOAT. He wins his fourth NBA title, and I think even though he doesn't have six, he becomes the greatest player in the history of the NBA. The tallest task ahead is here. Will the king fly high? Fly up or get flown over. Or will he Turn down? That is the question. This is the Jake Brown Show, CBS Radio's It podcast network. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. That was our NBA Finals preview, our prediction later on in the show. We'll talk Bryce Harper in a little bit. We'll talk about the fight that went down and what it means for baseball, where the suspensions, right, that were handed down. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Tiger Woods and his recent DUI and what that means for him as well. And tomorrow we will talk with Jerome the Junkyard Dog Williams about the NBA Finals. But coming up next before we get to that is me. I will give you a sports update telling you about everything going on in the world of sports, and I'll do it right now with your sports update i'm jake brown the nba finals get underway tomorrow night at 9 p.m on abc from oracle arena some unfortunate news prior to the finals starting though lebron james Ellie home was vandalized earlier this morning with a racial slur painted on the gate of his brentwood neighborhood estate the lapd is currently investigating the hate crime the NBA Finals aren't the only finals going on, though. The Pittsburgh Penguins took down the Nashville Predators 5-3 in Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals Monday night. Game 2 of the series is tonight at 8 o'clock in Pittsburgh. We'll see if both teams can avoid getting catfished again. You can watch the game on NBC, not MTV. Moving over to the baseball diamond, everybody saw the fight that broke the Internet on Memorial Day. Bryce Harper attacked Hunter Strickland for beating him and what was clearly Intentional. a beanie three years after Harper homered off Strickland in the playoffs twice in 2014. Harper received a four-game suspension for his actions, which has now been reportedly reduced to three games after appeal, while Strickland got six games and awaits for his appeal to be heard. Sticking with baseball, Albert Pujols moved a step closer to history last night. The 37-year-old slugger hit his 599th career home run. When the machine hits his 600th, He'll become just the ninth player in MLB history to do so. His homer helped the Angels move to a game under 500 with a 9-3 win over the Braves. They'll have to try and win now for six to eight weeks, though, without their star, Mike Trout, who sees himself on the disabled list for the first time in his career. Trout had surgery today to repair the UCL in his left thumb after being injured, sliding hands first into second base during their game against the Marlins Sunday. And finally, what's a day in America without some football news? The NFL Players Association is urging players to be better at saving money for a possible 2021 lockout. The 2011 collective bargaining agreement expires in 2021. The last lockout lasted four months. So start saving, guys. And I'm Jake Brown, and that was your sports update. How about that? A sports update, not from Buck, but from me. And I think I handled it pretty well it's always changing things and as the update happened the uh, re- it was the reduction happened it went from four to three games um again you heard the finals preview earlier I said Warriors in seven and uh, we didn't even mention Kofife. fiFA Covfef? Kofife? I mean what did Donald Trump tweet that was just up there for a lot longer? than anyone expected um, uh, 10, 20 uh, I think forty minutes an hour. I'm trying to think how it lo- went it uh, went uh I can't I'm trying to read how long Kofife was up there, but Donald Trump said despite the negative press, Kofife <laughs> we weren't sure if he was drunk. We were like, is Kofifi Russian? What is he talking about? Um, just a uh, hilarious. Uh, evening on Twitter. I'm trying to sleep, and I'm just waiting for the tweet to go down, and it just would not go down. I mean, he kept it up there for longer than it should have been, and uh, Donald Trump, man, I don't like to talk politics here, but that was just too funny to not talk about, and you could assume what it means, because no one knows. It's not a word, but I'm sure it's already on uh, dictionary.com, and new meanings are coming up out of it. We talked about the Bryce Harper Hunter Strickland fight. Listen, a couple of things about the fight. One, Michael Morris, by the way, is headed to, headed to the concussion disabled list, the seven-day DL, because he banged into his own teammate, Jeff Samarja. They were the first two, really, that came out into the fight between Hunter Strickland and Bryce Harper, and they hit into each other, and Morris is now headed to the DL. Now it doesn't matter a lot because Michael Morris is hitting 194 on the season and has had limited at bats uh, signed a minor league deal has really been a pinch hitter who has just really done nothing for the Giants a Giants team that has struggled one of the only teams in that division who has struggled the Diamondbacks Rockies and Dodgers all playing well and over 500 but that's an aside to a couple of things one did Bryce intentionally throw the helmet away, or did it slip? Because that's still a mystery to me. I think he intentionally threw the helmet away because he knew if he had throw that helmet at Strickland, the suspension would be a lot worse because that's dangerous. I mean, I was at the game Jose Offerman for the Long Island Ducks attacked the Bridgeport Bluefish pitcher with a bat, and he got arrested. The police were waiting for him outside the stadium. So you imagine if Bryce threw the helmet, it would be a disaster. But hey, Bryce is throwing the helmet that's nothing compared to a ball coming 96 miles an hour at your hip, at your buttocks. And how salty is Strickland here three years later? I mean, you think you'd get over something. It was clearly intentional. Listen, did Bryce need to go out there? No. But I did think a statement needed to be made. And I think we're seeing this a lot in baseball with guys throwing at each other, beating each other. There's a couple angles. I, I personally don't like Bryce Harper. I think he's kind of a what you would another another word you would call for cat, but I I do think it's something that baseball does need, and he's always talking about making baseball fun again. This thing was trending on Twitter. I mean, this was the talk of the town, and we are still talking about it days later. It took a fight, a brawl, for us to be talking about now. The punches that were being thrown, it looked like it was an episode of Jerry Springer. It looked like two girls were catfighting. I mean, they were not real punches. I mean, McGregor and Mayweather could maybe teach them a couple of things or two about how to throw actual punches. So in that sense, it wasn't a great fight. But it got intense. So I do think this is making baseball fun again. I think Bryce Harper has kind of turned into the face of the league. Him and Mike Trout are like the co-faces of Major League Baseball And I think baseball, secretly, Rob Manfred was smiling when this happened. And you look at the other side, the suspensions. It goes from four to three. I don't think these kind of fights should be suspended heavily because look at the attention baseball got out of it. There was no one that was tragically hurt. No one tore their ACL. I mean, Morris... Became concussed because he banged into his own teammate, and that's just being dumb. I mean, it's 6'5", just going at guys and hitting your own guy. It was just, unfortunately, it was kind of stupid. My issue with fights is when bullpens clear and guys come out. I understand you got to defend guys, but there's guys that come out from a mile away. The time they get there, it's over, and that's risking injury. You saw one, I saw either, it was a minor league game, I think, where a guy threw a baseball at the opposing player from about five feet away, where well, that's... that's you should get suspended for that. But I think these kind of fights make do make baseball interesting and fun to watch. And I don't think they should be suspended heavily. Three games? It, it's so difficult to judge these with the fact that that's 27 innings where even if Strickland gets six games, that's two to three innings. A reliever will pitch. I mean, in the Terry Collins case, you will pitch every day. But anyone else? Um, we're talking about Every other day. so Six six games, and sometimes if it's a... I mean, it depends on the situation and the score. Hunter Strickland in a six-game span is probably pitching max three to four innings, where Bryce Harper is being lost on the field for 27, because of his defense. You're losing him for four to five at-bats game. You're losing your star there. I say three is fair. I think more than that would have been a little strict. Now... I also don't like Bryce Hartmer, so me personally. I think he's a great player, but just him as a person, I just he's just something that irks me about him. And seeing him punched, honestly, was kind of fun. But if they had said one game, I would say, you know what, that's fine. You have to suspend him. But I think baseball Rob Manfred needs to send a message about the game. And the problem is is not Bryce Harbour throwing a punch. The commissioner still doesn't truly get it. This is a competitive game that we're in. And when a guy throws at you who's salty over homers a couple of years ago, you got to attack. And when you want to appeal to a younger audience, it's not always about streaming games on Facebook as they have done this year. There were children that were like, wow, what happened? Like, Who are now going to watch Bryce Harper, going to watch baseball because of what happened with that fight. Now, it's not the best thing that a fight has to make you watch the game. But guys got to defend themselves. These, pit, these hitters have no way to defend themselves when a fastball is coming right at them. What are they going to do? That's part of the reason that Buster Posey, I don't blame one bit. For him sitting back. He's like, Hunter, really? You're gonna throw why would he get in there? This is Buster Posey who has been injured with concussions and other injuries. If I'm him, I'm staying back too. Obviously, oh, it's a it's a bitch move by Buster Posey not to get in the fight and defend your pitcher. I don't blame him that much, honestly. The best part of it was Madison Bumgarn who's hurting on the DL. Was in the dugout, and then when everyone came out of the field, he went into the clubhouse. He said, I am not getting involved. And he literally went in the clubhouse. He might have went to go watch it, probably had a couple of beers while he was at it. But, listen, I think baseball is happy that this happened because the attention they got from it. And it's good for the game to not drop the hammer on a guy like Bryce Harper. For a guy like Manny Machado. These guys have no way to defend themselves. So they have to send a message and say, you know what, I'm going to attack the pitcher. And hopefully that sends the message. Because it's just not necessary. And that was a clear throw. I mean, you could tell when a guy throws it at him. I mean, that couldn't be any more obvious. And that's what leads to injury. So if that's going to lead to injury, I'm going to try and punch this guy in the face and give him a black eye. Because there's a likely, honestly, a more of a chance you get hurt from a ball hitting you than you getting in a fight with a guy. Because you're not just getting a fight with one guy; you're getting a fight with the whole team, and then everyone's going to come defend you. So he couldn't really have seriously hurt Strickland, unless maybe that helmet throw, which was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Unless that did hit him in the head, then you're talking all right—a helmet to the head—that that hurts. I mean, that's not pretty. So I think there's a higher probability that Bryce Harper gets hurt from a pitch coming at his head, coming at his elbow, coming somewhere, because, I mean, if you got hit by a ball, that that hurts. And not even at 90 miles, that's 70 miles an hour, that, it's, it stinks. So he didn't have anyone to defend him. Hunter Strickland had the rest of the roster, the bullpen, everyone, the coaches, everyone coming out there to defend him. And I don't think Buster Posey wanted to. And I like that by Buster Posey. Don't defend the guy. You stay there. I mean, he just watched, and he's thinking, do I have to? And once more and more people, he started slowly coming out to the mound. And even when Buster Posey got out to the mound, he was still on the outskirts where he was trying to be a tough guy but not tough guy. And that's what happens in a lot of these fights. Guys pretend to be tough guys, and hey, I'm going to get in there. And then what happens is Michael Morris hits Jeff Samaritan, and they bang each other. And Meanwhile, Madison Bumgarner is chugging brews. In the clubhouse. Speaking of chugging brews, a guy that wasn't chugging brews when he got a DUI was Tiger Woods. We all, the first message and I tweeted and I said, your net worth Tiger Woods is $720 million. Let someone drive for you. Then the report comes out. He blew a 0.00 on a breathalyzer test. He was driving and at 2.03 a.m. was booked in jail a few hours later in suspicion of DUI he was asleep at the wheel and had to be woken up the car was still running with its brakes light and right turn signal on he was slow and had slurred speech and stated that he was coming from LA California from golfing woods did not know where he was and asked how far from his house he was using slow slurred mumbled confused speech and he was unable to complete a test of walking a straight line. He heel to toe each time. He also failed other tests. <laughs> and they, he thought the officer was asking him to recite the National Anthem backwards. Now, if you could recite the National Anthem backwards, sober or drunk, that is incredible. I sometimes forget the words, to be honest. Regular National Anthem. Like, sometimes they they like for me. Now... If he could have done that drunk or on prescription drugs, whatever it was, that was amazing. That would be amazing. Um, He blew a 0.00 report, uh, was just sluggish, sleepy. He sent a statement. He cooperated with officers. He explained the side effect prescription medication and not alcohol. There's a couple of ways to look at this, even with that explanation. Why was he driving? Once the fact that, I mean, he couldn't function properly, two buttons, Uber, two buttons, Lyft, two buttons, family member, two buttons, uh, car service. You're Tiger freaking Woods. Your net worth is over $700 million. All you have left for you is your image. Your golf game is done. That should have been done. You should be retired. What you accomplished in your time on the golf course it was remarkable. But the what is making you your money now is endorsements and your image. When you get arrested for a DUI, you lose endorsements. You lose your image. Everything goes downhill. And while the fact he wasn't drunk helps him slightly in how we look at him, it's still the fact that he was driving under the influence where he shouldn't be driving. What is he doing that late at night? You wonder where he was. And why he's taking the meds and then driving. Does he know the side effects? He, I mean, does he know what happens if you mix them? Or, listen, we don't know all the details to this, but this is a new low, low point. And his mugshot, my God, looked like a homeless man. But for real, what what is SportsCenter doing? photoshopping his mugshot and making his hair look more normal. I, I'm very confused that SportsCenter did that, and it was one of the oddest things I have ever seen. The mugshot does not need to be photoshopped. What were they doing? I don't know if they've made a, a statement about that, but SportsCenter oh, a bizarre move doing such a thing, photoshopping his mugshot. Listen, Tigers got enough money. But when your career is left with your image at hand and that gets hit like it just did, you're in in big trouble, buddy. So, sorry, Tiger, but that's uncalled for. Call an Uber. Call a car service. You should not be on the road. And it's it's a poor influence. This was a guy that at one point was the family man, the champion. Now he's the cheater, the DUI the guy who can't play golf and you worry about tiger in his future. It's scary. This is the Jake Brown show, CBS Radio's played on it. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify as well. Follow me at Jake Brown Radio. Follow the show at Jake Brown Show. The NBA Finals start tomorrow. I can't wait, man. It's finally it's finally here and we finally get to see part 3. Of the lo- I mean, it seems like it's been a year since the fucking playoffs were on, and now they're on. It's here, and I can't wait. And we'll see what happens. Again, I think the Warriors are going to win. If LeBron wins, is it shocking? No. But, I mean, how- off the evidence we've seen, I don't know how the war. I even it going seven games might be a stretch. When the Warriors beat them, they beat them. Blowouts these last two years. Just crushing them. So I think KD and LeBron is going to be fun to watch. Kyrie and Curry is going to be great to watch. And hopefully there's no suspensions this time This time around. Hopefully everyone stays in the court. Remember a couple of years ago, Kyrie got hurt. LeBron had to do everything himself. This is going to be one interesting finals, The Stanley Cup finals. The Penguins are going to take care of business. I think they win this series in either five or six. They got off to the early lead in game one on Monday. Nashville made it interesting with a catfish on the ice after I was watching catfish literally all weekend, trying to be going backwards. I only have season one left and then a couple of the newer ones, but I watched season two, three, four and five. I'm almost done. Very addicting show. Such a good show. And it makes you wonder about people and how dumb they are and how oblivious. It makes you think as the seasons went on, maybe people did it just to be on the show. And, there were a couple of people on there that are questionable that you knew they were doing it on purpose. One actually did do it on purpose. So it's a it's a it's a must-watch, uh must-watch TV. Baseball, the Mets winning a couple in a row here. Um they will try and win a series finally. Hopefully sweep one. I'll be there tonight. Um Fireworks night on Saturday. So the Mets hopefully they could turn things around as they try to ride the ship. Matts and Lugo back in a week. Cespedes back in about 7 to 10 days. So the reinforcements are on the way. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this NBA Finals edition of the show. Coming up next on the Jake Brown Show, it is Cavs sign line reporter for Fox Sports Ohio. Allie Clifton will join us. And then tomorrow, Jerome, the Junkyard Dog, Williams talks finals. Jordan, LeBron, the big three. What he's up to now and a whole lot more. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure you, again, subscribe, rate us, review us, follow us, all that jazz. Enjoy the NBA Finals. We'll talk next week, hopefully update you on what should be a tight series. Enjoy Allie Clifton, and tomorrow, JYD. Peace.
0: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Hey, it's Allie Clifton, Cavaliers sideline reporter for Fox Sports Ohio, and you're listening to The Jake Brown Show.
1: And welcome back to The Jake Brown Show, CBS Radio's play.it, iTunes, Spotify. Talking NBA Finals, we talked about Bryce Harper's shenanigans. We talked about Tiger Woods' shenanigans. But now we got to head to the Bay, the West Coast, where Allie Clifton, friend of the program from Fox Sports, Ohio, she is the Cleveland Cavaliers sideline reporter. Follow her on Twitter at FSO FSOAllieOop. Allie Clifton coming from the hotel on the West Coast right now. Allie, uh, how you doing out there? Three straight years in a row. I feel like you're basically a San Francisco Bay Area resident now.
0: <laughs> it kind of feels like that. All is well. It's certainly a good thing to still be a part of all the action and what's going on here in uh, almost June. It's exciting.
1: Now, three straight years. I mean, could you basically see the script being written before the season? I mean, most NBA fans, we knew this was going to happen, and it played out pretty easily. I mean, three straight sweeps the Warriors' way and almost three straight sweeps the Cavs' away, and uh, we got what the doctor ordered.
0: Yeah, you know, I think I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't expect it and that I didn't hope for it because I did. Uh, and I think, along with a, a lot of people and many people, uh, just the, the level of which these two teams um, over the last several years have uh, raised their, their games and, and their potential to be standing as the last two teams. Um, of course, this is what we all hope for and, and wanted and, and thought we might see. But I'm also uh, a believer in the process. Um, I'm not just drinking the juice as a former athlete myself. I understand and having been with this team as long as I have it, and sitting with them every single day uh, inside practices being around them um, every single day throughout the course of the season the, the process is real uh, and I know from a Cavalier standpoint it's not one that this team takes lightly so yeah we expected it we hoped for it we wanted it but at the end of the day the process was uh, important and I think this team followed that and that's why they're in the position that they're in
1: See, I was not able to book Joel Embiid, but apparently he's on the line right now with us. I didn't realize the process is being trusted here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, You know, I I think, too, sometimes people, we hear it all the time. And and whether or not that phrase is is tossed around too much or or overused, uh, at the end of the day, these athletes know how important it is. And you can't get to the second round without getting through the first round. And you can't. It's not just a hop, skip, and a jump across the pond to get to the finals. And uh, understanding your your craft and what you can bring, but also putting it throughout the course of an 82-game regular season and and developing it through a team system and understanding what it takes then at the end of the the day to get the job done and ultimately be that last team standing, Uh, the process is important. and, And you do. You have to trust it. I agree with him.
1: You're inside the locker room. You're there. You're inside with the team. You host Road Tripping with RJ and Channing Podcast. You know what's going on. Take us through the feel of this team here. They're coming in as an underdog, coming as the defending champ, yet still being an underdog. I have to imagine uh, these guys talk about having a little bit of a chip on their shoulder here.
0: It just depends, I guess, how you classify underdog or what your definition is of underdog. Is it the record at the end of the day? Well, you look at the Golden State Warriors record last season and we know what happened. So what it, what you classify, as I, as I mentioned, and define underdog as, that's to each his own. Uh, I think ultimately at the end of the day, both squads understand who they are. They understand that they're better than what they were the last time they saw one another, whether that was last year in the finals or last year for the last meeting here in the regular season. They're a completely different team, both of them. Um, and, and I just think from a Cavaliers perspective, uh, this last week, uh, approaching what they're about to embark on here starting tomorrow with game one, they were very focused. They were very locked in. They're very immersed in, in film studies and on-court on, on court work and getting up extra shots and putting in the extra conditioning. And You could just tell there's a different vibe, and not that they didn't take the Eastern Conference serious because they did, and they did their work, and they took care of business. But now it's a, it's a whole new ballgame. Uh, the finals almost become another – another season in their own the the pressure and the the focus and the the amount of uh work it takes from each and every individual guy on this team so for the, these guys I think they're ready to go I think they're really looking forward to the, this challenge uh and it's a good comfortable competent uh, yet very focused and locked in group
1: Allie Clifton joining the Jake Brown show in my opinion Allie this is the toughest task that LeBron's ever had a face, despite the Warriors' record last year, adding Kevin Durant. I looked at this regular season, it's kind of irrelevant for the Warriors with Durant sitting out in injuries and them just not caring about that as much. I look at this as the toughest team LeBron has faced and will ever face. Would you agree with that sentiment?
0: Um, I think, you know, there's so many different matchups and so many different. You think of the Pistons, you know, back in the day when he was at that stage of his career, you think of the Celtics. Uh, when he was trying to get that stage of, through that stage of his career. But I think at this level for which he's playing, of course, and now not just facing a big three, but ultimately, you know, you've got two former MVPs, uh, you've got champions, you've got a team that's won it, you've, you've got a team that you've faced now three straight times, you're about to face three straight times. So, yeah, I think this is a task, uh, an unbelievable challenge in its own right that uh, one day I think he'll look back and, and know that it was, a tough tough challenge whether or not it's the toughest one he's faced only time will tell uh but um i certainly think he knows and understands what what's ahead of him
1: is this the best team lebron's had around him or do you look at it prior teams with either cleveland or miami to be better
0: you know it, it's hard to it's, i'm not one that really gets into comparisons because everything is so different you know and you think of lebron and who he was as a player when he went to miami uh, you think of who he was his first stint with the Cavs and how young he was and despite already having such a level of maturation at that age he still went away to grow up you know so there's such a different LeBron first stint Cleveland there's a different LeBron in Miami and what he learned but what I can tell you is he is on a whole different level individually and in the mission that he's on now given what he's already accomplished you know the guy mm-hmm. the guy brought to To fruition what he wanted last year ultimately and that was to bring a championship to cleveland and if he didn't think there was pressure as he mentioned there wasn't pressure because he doesn't believe in it last season doing that now not having any pressure at all quote um i just think that we're seeing from him uh and not necessarily the group around him but him per se individually uh probably the best we've ever seen and you can look at numbers and so forth but also, you, you know, as you mentioned, the team around him—he gives a lot of credit to the front office and management for, for putting him in this position. Um, but you got to give him credit as well for utilizing and understanding how to use those around him.
1: Have you joined the? I mean, I'm—I'm—you're an Ohio native, native. You've been covering yep. LeBron um, for a while. Do you look into this whole LeBron versus Jordan argument, or what's your take on the entire thing?
0: I do not. I—I mm-hmm. I, I, I don't. I just don't compare because. Different eras, different time, different mm-hmm. – I, I think, too, at the end of the day, different positions. I think the game has completely evolved. The game is played so much differently. Um, and, and so I don't get involved in it. I think at the end of the day, there's so much respect. And I love this this line from him in Boston. He doesn't chase Michael or NJ for the rings and the trophies and, and the, the stats at the end of the day. He does it for his own personal motivation to be great. And, and the one thing that LeBron has done so well is not only be great on the floor – but also what he's done off the floor. And he's just used Michael as that, that bar, that standard uh, of understanding what it takes and understanding what happens when you are that individual. You know, he's not one that's going to sit there and get caught up in all of that comparison talk. He, he'll lay it out there. He wore Jordans as a kid. He had posters of Michael Jordan on his wall. He did this, this, and this after Michael Jordan. This is the quote-unquote ghost that he is chasing, as he mentioned this summer. So to compare the two, I don't think it's fair. But I think at the end of the day, you have to appreciate the greatness of both. And, and now, for LeBron, his his desire and his motivation to chase that greatness. All
1: right. Well, I, I know what it's going to be, but uh, what's your prediction for the series? How long does it go, and uh, who's the MVP?
0: You know, I did it twice yesterday. I do not have a... Um, I do not have a final outcome. I do not have a team winning it. Of course, as you mentioned, I'm a Ohio girl born and raised. Yes, I would love to see Cleveland get it done uh, and bring a championship back to the city. However, I'm a believer in competition, and I love competition. I love consistency, and I love what we're about to witness. Um, But I think at the end of the day, what this series will show is that there will be one team that dominates a certain facet of the game where all we can say is, they're, they're the reason or this is why they are the ones that are going to take it all. This is the why, this is the reason, uh, they are the last ones standing because there's going to be an aspect of the game, um, whether it's going to be a personal performance or certainly just uh, better execution, more consistency, better adjustments throughout the course of the series, one team is going to dominate an aspect of the game, and I think that's what we're going to see in the series.
1: Fair enough. Um, do, do don't you feel like you're like Emma Stone in La La Land? Three straight years. I mean, your hometown <laughs> team is in the finals. I mean, don't you? And you're recovering them. I mean, you should be singing in the streets right now.
0: You know, I. <laughs> Great movie, I often,
1: by the way. Great
0: movie. I haven't seen it. Oh, you got it. Um, I know. I haven't seen it yet, but um, I do. I, I often take time to. My parents do a good job of reminding me to not get kind of caught up and lost in the sauce, (laughs) so to speak, Uh, and just appreciating and understanding the moment and um, what opportunity that I have, not only to cover such an awesome game and and to cover such an and be a part of such an awesome experience, but the fact that I am born and raised in Ohio and it doesn't happen often for many people. And um, so, yeah, I, I am kind of. (laughs) <laughs> as much as I don't want to say I do get lost in the sauce a lot uh, but it's because I just want to appreciate and embrace the the opportunity that I have you're right yep
1: you'll have some free time now so I want you to see the movie and just picture yourself as Emma Stone um, and put yourself <laughs> in her that. shoes um, do you do you RJ and Channing have like a cool like group chat that goes on via text or anything
0: we do actually um, it's actually Rafa Channing Richard and I because I don't know if a lot of people understand how much work does go into the podcast that we put out. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know it seems like a lot of fun and games, but there is a lot of work that goes into it. There's a lot of organizing and coordinating and um, understanding guys, their moods and what they need, because at the end of the day, these two guys, they have business to take care of on the hardwood. So for example, yesterday, you know, we took off and I had, I carry the headsets around and Rafa has the other equipment. And um, so when we got on the plane, it was, yeah, we're going to, we're going to record. When we get off the plane, it's now what time do you guys want to record? What's your schedule like? And and so forth. And then there are different funny memes that that are tossed around and different jokes that are to be had. But that's just who we are. It's lighthearted. It's fun. And I think it's what makes our podcast so successful um, and entertaining, I guess, at the end of the day. Um, But, yeah, of course, we're always communicating. And if we weren't, it wouldn't be what it is. I can tell
1: you that. Yeah, hey, you don't need to tell me how much work goes in a podcast. I mean, I've been doing this yeah. three, four years. It's it's a lot, though. Just booking guests, booking studio times, like making times work for guests, po- posting on social media, scheduling, scheduling the show, meta- metadata for the show. I mean, it's it's an endless world of podcasting, so you know.
0: It is, but I think it's, it's starting to become a new wave of something special and unique, um, and so it's been fun. We enjoy it.
1: Ali Clifton-Cavs, reporter for Fox Sports, Ohio, host of Road Tripping with RJ and Channing. Now, what is left now at Ali C's Closet on Instagram? Uh, what's going on there?
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I fell into what is <laughs> probably a bad habit, but it is what it is. Um, I only, for those who don't know, um, I only wear clothes on air once. So um, I, I purchased clothes from Banana Republic, um, and those are – those guys at banana take care of me. Um, and so it's great quality, great clothing, but yet I only wear it once. So it's how do I get the best use for, for, um, the product, but also, you know, the, you know, get the most bang for my buck, I guess. So I created a closet called Alice's closet. You can follow me on Instagram, but it's also, um, you can't buy off Instagram. There's a link in the bio on Instagram that sends you to Poshmark, uh, which is where all my clothes are posted Um, everything's been worn once, maybe twice if it's a skirt or pants. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of a way I guess to give back and not, not necessarily give back, but I think just can continue on what I, what I started, I guess.
1: Um, Sleeveless ruffle dresses, salmon crossover pencil skirt.
0: Anything. Um,
1: anything. and
0: I actually have a new load that just went out of my closet. I had seven stacks of clothes that just went out, seven piles of clothes that just went out to, um, the, the girl, Dana, dana vinci that helped me um and he was basically running my site uh she just picked up a new whole load so be checking be looking for that keep your eyes
1: open yeah these, <laughs> these are like Marshalls and tj max prices so you can't go wrong i mean i'm personally have no use for any of this um but any females listening
0: hey, girlfriend and
1: yeah. a sister or a mom yeah yeah i guess <laughs> I, have, well, I have no sister i don't know what my mom would do but hey down, down the road, I'll get it for a girlfriend down the road. Allie Clifton, Fox Sports Ohio, Cavalier Silent Reporter. Follow her on Twitter, Instagram, and check out Allie C's Closet. Allie, enjoy the finals. I think it's going to be the greatest one we'll ever see. Hopefully it plays out that way, and uh, make sure you see La La Land, too.
0: I will do that. Jake, thanks for your
1: time, as always. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.